Paul, you just returned from Vancouver, so I certainly want to talk to you about your trip. And it's uh, it's also a special day for our episode, which I'll get into in a second. But um, I want to first talk about your, your trip to Vancouver. And some might say it was a little bit crazy to uh, be traveling at this time, which personally I, th- I think you kind of are. But uh, what was when did you get back? Okay, so we left, uh, we were gone for about f- six days. Um, well, one day being a, a travel day, but uh, I got back on, well, this this past Tuesday. Um, so, yeah. Th- okay, you th- got back Tuesday. You were there for six days. Yeah. yeah. Traveling was difficult? No. Um, so, the reason why we took that trip is because, quite frankly, my wife and I, we, we needed to get away. It was a mental health break, I guess. Um, uh-huh. As you know, we've been in, in lockdowns in Ontario for almost or probably over a month now. and The most recent yeah, one, yeah. And we were originally looking at uh, going down to the Caribbean or, or traveling to the U.S. And we decided against going there because there's still obviously a lot of COVID concerns, uh, higher um, infection rates more so than in Canada. Plus, you're dealing with, with the stress and pressure of, of COVID tests. You know, we figured traveling within Canada made the most sense. Uh, we chose Vancouver. It's a beautiful city, one of our favorites. Um, the weather is good. And, you know, if we're going to travel anywhere, I think Canada is, is well, traveling within Canada definitely provides sort of a, a more of a, a safer environment, I believe. Um, but in terms of my experiences, you know, first of all, Vancouver, everything was, was wide open in terms of like restaurants and tourist attractions, that type of thing. So masks in restaurants? Oh, yeah, you yeah. See you that? still have to have wear masks. Um, and you still have to okay. show proof of vaccination, which is fine. Um, yeah. But yeah, everything is open. Okay. And the experience of, of flying, it was first time being on a plane since, uh, well, in over two years, well, almost two years yeah. since the beginning of, of the pandemic. And I, I'm not sure what I was expecting, but it seemed to be surprisingly very easy and very seamless. Um, I guess you hear a lot in the media about um, staff shortages and, and things are being chaotic at the airports. It was the exact opposite. Everything was very well organized. Mind you, a lot of stuff is is automated now. You know, your automated, uh, uh, your boarding passes, uh, your your luggage checks. But going yeah. and do you, have, do you have to do any testing before like no you so have to show there's proof of tests or anything like that well you you have to upload your proof of vaccination um, okay. when you when you check in on your flight so yes they do have that information um, so yes you do have to be fully vaxxed in order to to fly within well I guess anywhere in or outside of Canada um, but the overall experiences of of being in the airport was was easy I was. Uh, Pleasantly surprised, um, you know. It's so you're 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 encouraging people to travel right now within Canada. It's fair if they want to. It's fairly seamless. Like- yeah, I think so. Um, I had a good experience, um, and staying within Canada, I think, makes the most sense. Um, in, yeah. In terms of you know overall safety, you know where we went in BC, their numbers are, are much lower than what they are in Ontario. So we felt pretty confident. We weren't nervous or anything like that. Did you get any like side side eye glances because you're from Ontario? Did that come up? No, like, what are you, no. are you bringing your 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 um, 
germs over here? <laughs> like, was there any animosity toward no, people outside of no, we, the province? We did not get any. Especially Torontonians? Yeah, no, we didn't get any of that at all. Everyone was very friendly, no, okay. very polite. So, yeah, we had a great time. It was uh, it was an excellent uh, experience. Um, we did a lot of tourist stuff. If There was a sense of normalcy, and that's what we wanted. Um, it was right. very well, it, it was needed for sure. Okay, so one question, so one thing I noticed was that you had, uh, and I know you have a large social media following, yeah, yeah. but uh, you had a picture there, it was, I think it was a birthday dinner, and you, you guys, I was amazed that you, you guys traveled all the way to Vancouver, which is what, five hours to, uh, to, to fly out there, uh, plus all your airport time, so, you know, a pretty, pretty a good deal amount of travel to get there, and only to go to a keg for yeah. dinner. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a good point. Whenever we go on vacation, we actually try to go to non-branded restaurants. Uh, we like okay. to try local stuff. So yeah, the, the keg was the only branded restaurant that we went to. So, uh, and that's just because it's my wife. That's what she really wanted. She was craving a, a steak dinner, and, and it was her birthday. So and it was her birthday. But okay, got it. Yeah, whenever we travel, yeah, you're right. I like to to try, um, you know, different different restaurants like the the non-chain restaurants um and and yeah. we did that we we dined out you're at not one of these guys that gets places. off the uh the plane and says ask the first question the cabbie is saying where's the lo where's the closest hard rock cafe yeah no 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 I, I don't do that we used to do that a while back but then we realized why the hell are we doing that you good know, for you the, the good. Whole i'm glad this is not a i was worried that you go away like that you know go to milan and the first thing you do is ask where their local hard rock cafe is or... yeah yeah no no not okay. at all no i think right. you, you get the best experiences when you do try you know the the local restaurants uh local cuisine so yeah we we definitely whenever my wife and i travel we, we definitely try to immerse ourselves in that Okay, well, we should get on with this episode. We uh, we have a, I'm going to call this a special episode because one of our uh, our best listeners has uh, thrown his hand up, and either either you forced him to come on the show, <laughs> Paul, or he wanted to be on the show. I forget, but he he brings with us. Um, he's related to you. I think we're allowed to say yes. He's your cousin. Yes, he, he is my mother's cousin. side or father's side. Mother's side. Okay. He's has an expertise in a topic that's come up a couple times on this episode, hence partly why we wanted to have him on, uh, and that is that he he knows a, a, a good deal amount amount a good deal about cannabis, uh, which he's going to talk to us a little bit about. And so, yeah, without further delay, welcome to the show. And I forget now if I'm allowed to call call him Ken or I have to go by his YouTube name. This is the first time, by the way, we've had a YouTube creator i guess uh dr green thumb he goes by if i got that right welcome to the show ken thank you very much clark it's a pleasure to be here and uh been looking forward to this for a while for sure love the show i, I appreciate that i always uh i always like having uh people say that uh and, and it's not something that we take lightly right paul like listeners of this show are very special people that it, it it's not something that we we take lightly we appreciate people that listen we w mostly appreciate the feedback that we get from our listeners and uh we might ask for some ken 
in this episode, but I'm not sure if we'll follow it, but we may ask a little bit. Yeah, it's a good point that uh, Ken being one of our, our very loyal, loyal listeners, because when I, Ken, when I told you about uh, the fact that Clark and I were, were doing this podcast, you, uh, you very enthusiastically went back into the vault and you listened to many, well, I think from the very beginning, some of our, our very early episodes, and I think you've listened to them all. So, um, our hats off and, and our respect to you for uh, for investing oh, yeah. all that time in, <laughs> in listening to us. Yeah, I definitely binged when you told me that uh, you guys were doing a podcast. I'm like, really? I got to hear this. And then I was pleasantly surprised. I was like, oh, what is this going to be about? What, what are you guys going to talk about? What are you going to do? And I was like, okay, I could listen to this. And I have been religiously listening to it because I find it entertaining and the subject matter that you guys speak to, it, it relates to me, and I think it relates to a lot of people. That's why I keep coming back anyways. Well, thanks, and, and I, but I got to say, it was you said it, it, you were pleasantly surprised with that, were those the words you used. So what were you thinking you might be getting? Because I'm always interested to hear that. Without anything that Paul is involved in, the standards must be low, right? <laughs> I Okay, so I couldn't see Paul having a podcast voice. To, to be honest with you, like I know Paul is a cousin, but to see him as someone that you would listen to recreationally, um, I, I it just didn't didn't seem feasible. But then when I heard Paul, and then I found out about the the background that you guys both had, where you took took some sort of like a speech speech course so that you could like address people in public and be more confident about it, and it definitely showed. Like I was like, wow, like this this sounds like a normal podcast. This doesn't sound like something that's just sort of like pieced together and you're just trying to do it for fun. This is, this is legitimate. And um, I, again, that's why I keep, keep coming back because it's just a, it's just a normal, normal podcast with great content that I enjoy. And uh, yeah, I listen to my cousin. Amazing. Well, usually it's work for me, Ken, just so you know, it's more fun for Paul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, I just show up and look pretty, right? <laughs> <laughs> you look quite pretty today in your Jay's cap. Yeah. Okay. Right, blue Jay you. hat. Paul yeah. sporting a blue Jay hat. Okay, yeah, well, so Ken, you you used the keyword that uh a second ago, recreational. Recreational, and it makes as soon as I hear the word re- recreational, I think of of something a topic you know a fair bit about, the the cannabis topic. Um you have a YouTube channel where you talk about how to grow, how to grow it, uh, and I've seen some of the videos of, from seed to harvest. Yeah, and so we have a few questions I think about that. Um, first of all, what what made you decide to grow cannabis? Well, and am I is it called is it cannabis the right word? Yeah, like, I I think the the normal terminology is is cannabis. You know, you can call it weed pot, whatever you want, but well. We'll call it cannabis since that's the the legal representation of it, right? Um, I think, well, I know I started uh, growing because it became legal number one and because I was someone who recreationally used it um, but didn't like the cost that went along with it. Um, And also, you, I I don't want to say it's a risk, but you really need to know where you're getting it from, right? Pre-legalization days... You kind of had one or two people that you trusted and you knew would give you something that you know would just be fine. Um, yeah. But 
you know, sometimes there's dry spells and the people that normally have stuff don't have it. And then you find yourself, you know, maybe looking for looking for something from an, a source that you don't know. And then you don't know the product that you're going to get. So a couple a couple of factors led led to that. But ultimately, um, yeah, it was legalization and the uh, the ability to do it uh, for free rather than sp- spend money. And control it too. I mean, get to pick and choose what it is that you'd like to like to grow. Yeah, because I want to ask you a little bit about that. But just and also to just remind listeners, cannabis, as far as being sold in dispensaries and in in becoming legalized, was what was that October twenty nineteen? Yes, was it twenty nineteen or twenty? Yeah, I believe you're right. It was twenty nineteen, eighteen or nineteen, because it was not. It was before the pandemic because. We talked about how this became one. This was one of the essential services where the dispensary is being open, along with liquor stores. And we debated a little bit about that, Paul and I, way way back. Okay, so you, um, you, I, I like one of the things you said there was the whole knowing where it's coming from because you're right. Pre legalized, it was coming from. It could be coming from anywhere, and I assume it could be coming from. Mexico, it could be coming from someone's backyard or someone's house that, you know, they're doing their own thing and all kinds of stuff along the way. It can become um, either tainted or stuff can get added to it. I don't know all the ins and outs of that, but... uh, Absolutely. And it could could be something that was presented as as one type of bud or, you know, one type of marijuana. And then when you get it, it's not that at all it's significantly worse or it's got a bunch of like seeds and stems which nobody wants so yeah yeah so so quality control is something you can you can obviously have a big hand in Mm -hmm. absolutely and in in terms of the quality control i guess my question is prior to the legalization was there issues with um people buying weed that was spiked with something else with chemicals or something that wasn't even weed at all so that that is extremely rare i don't want to say that pre-legalization days you'd go out and you'd get something that would like send you to the hospital like absolutely not right like usually what would happen is you'd either get a bad batch or on a very very rare occasion and if that happened, like you would immediately just like cease any relationship with that connection. But like sometimes people would spray it down to increase the weight of it because it's sold by by weight, right? So if you spray something down with, uh, you know, you 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 spray the cannabis down and you increase the amount of grams, then that that person could say to you, "Hey, this is I'm selling you X number of of this when it's actually significantly lighter." If that makes sense. Yeah. And you also talk about things like the Bruce Banner mix or. Mm, Yes. uh, There are a few different names. So are these, would it be fair to call them varietals or. Absolutely. They're different strains. There's, they're, they're different strains. Yeah. So I, my video series, I usually do in the winter. I do what is called an auto flower grow, which is a short living plant. It's got a 90 day life cycle. Um, I have, acclimatized set up in the back of my yard with electricity so I'm able to have sort of like a like a grow environment maintained in there and uh, yeah so I go right from seed to flower and I choose a different type of auto flower strain each time just to have some variety not only for myself but for other people who watch my channel because they may 
wonder, hey, what what should I want to grow? What's easy to grow? What are the characteristics of how the plant grows through its life cycle? Um, and then during the summer months when you can actually plant outdoors here in, in Ontario, that's when I'll do like a full on outdoor grow. I'll have one or two plants outside. And uh, but again, I, I will choose a strain each time for variety and to find out what I like. And, and, and again, I enjoy the, the horticult sorry, horticultural side of things, watching how the plant grows and develops kind of entertaining seeing it grow. I was going to ask cycle. you about that, but I see Paul is just dying to ask yeah, you a question. No, I, I just wanted to, to jump in because yeah, the, the whole um, Dr. Green Thumb, your YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you told me about that last year, I looked it up and I was, uh, I was pleasantly, pleasantly surprised. surprised. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> That's the theme of the day. If one's pleasantly Zing. surprised. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but in all seriousness, I was, uh, yeah, I was impressed with the professionalism of the, of the YouTube videos. Um, you do a great job of, of the editing and, and it's, uh, you know, to, to people that have a genuine interest in that, um, it's very informative. I guess what um, what prompted you to want to do like a, a YouTube channel? And, you know, obviously you've got a, a pretty loyal following yourself of, uh, of your channel. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, a, fr a friend of mine, actually, he started getting involved in YouTube. He was doing those virtual F1 cockpit racing things. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that, but you can kind of like buy almost like a racing kit for your home with like a racing seat, a steering wheel, pedals, and then you set up your computer with this virtual F1 system. And I, I think I've seen the, actually on Drive to Survive, I think that some yeah. of the drivers actually have these, or maybe, I don't know if it's the same or if it's a, a $100,000 type of equipment. It varies for versus, sure. <laughs> yeah. But I've seen what looks like simulator i guess it's a simulator of some exactly kind. so he he was involved in that and and just by seeing that and talking to him he's like oh it's so easy you know you can download software on your phone and if you're passionate about it why not you're spending your time doing it anyways i was like that totally makes sense why not sort of like catalog what i've done post it generate some viewers and like see where this goes i've got i've got spare time you know what i mean like what what's an extra five minutes when i'm doing something for myself that I enjoy to just get, grab a camera and, and narrate it at the same time. It, it just yeah, so you narrate sense. and you have a, a partner in crime there, uh, not pardon the pun, uh, even though it's legal now to, uh, to do this. Um, I, some videos, it looks like you're kind of filming yourself, but then do you have some help with it as well? No, it's all me. Um, I, you know what? I, I should rephrase that. There's been, I, I think three clips in total where I've asked my wife to hold the camera because uh, it was too awkward to prop the camera up for what I was trying to capture. But otherwise, it's just myself either setting up the camera in a certain location or I've got one of those sort of, uh, it's not a selfie stick, but it's like an apparatus that you can kind of wrap around your neck and then point oh. the camera wherever you want. Yeah, Paul uses those when he's in BC uh, touring around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. there is no selfie sticks. I hate those things. <laughs> Not none with a harness. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have this image. Uh, we we, sh we you've got to send us. We'll put a picture of uh, you wearing this uh, in this so that people can see what you look like. Not only in general, but with one of these harnessed selfie sticks. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> no, th those things are real. I had to use one once because uh, for work, um, I had to do a, a virtual assessment and my boss wanted to, to observe. So 
yeah, having that your your phone around your neck, sort of like a lanyard type of thing. It, it's a it's a kind of a weird experience knowing that there's someone like viewing you, like it's a, so. Were you live being cam? viewed live? And we want to get back to Ken because yeah. he's far more interesting. But <laughs> but was that a live thing where your boss yeah. was watching you live? Yeah, yeah, watching oh. you live, do, having to do uh, an assessment. <laughs> All right, um, but, uh, Ken, do you get? Uh, I want to ask you the do you get some uh, criticism or negative vibes from certain people when you talk about this or do you do you kind of monitor who you talk to about this for, for the sake of like bothering people like what sort of experiences have you had with this topic with friends family strangers so it's kind of interesting because i think it's it as a subject matter you can kind of pick up automatically who you can approach that to People who are in the cannabis culture, I, I know it sounds crazy, but it, it's almost like they put off a vibe. Like you can almost like look at somebody and be like, yep, yeah, I could see that that, you know, so. Um, it's not just the dilated pupils. Or- <laughs> no, no, it's not. I, it, it's genuinely like an aura or a vibe that someone has if you're in the culture or you're not. Um, if they're holding a skateboard, uh, <laughs> they typically are more likely to... Um, be cool to talk to about this sort of stuff? I would say so. There's some traits for sure that you can pick up on, but no, it's not taboo like it used to be. Like, like in, in all seriousness, like I, I think it's blatantly obvious how many people consume cannabis recreationally in Canada. So it, yeah. it's no surprise that it got legalized. And I think, you know, if people are are definitely entitled to their own opinions and they can have those legacy opinions and nothing against that whatsoever. Like, you know, there people have had experiences that drive their, um, you know, the reason why they want to, to stand firm on that. But um, I think the benefits outweigh the negatives in, in every aspect of cannabis. I mean, the medical benefits alone are, are unreal, you know, and, and the fact that when you take a look at cannabis historically, like if you go back in time and you see how the government was interwoven in how cannabis became a taboo uh, substance, it's a real eye-opener. Yeah, and I guess one of the reasons why we wanted to have you um, on the podcast to talk about this particular topic was because it, it is an interesting one to debate. Um, and you're right in that people's views on this have definitely changed. and. I'll admit my views on this have changed as well. Um, yeah, I wanted to ask you about that, Paul, because I, I got the impression, say, earlier on in the podcast that you probably weren't in approval of the legalization of marijuana. And I think we even talked about that. Well, yeah, I, I guess you could put me into, you know, group me into that uh, to that segment of people that y- you touched on, Ken, about the, the, the legacy issue. Um. Yeah, it's it's been an interesting progression to see over the last two and a half years how how marijuana, um, you know, the the effect that it has now that it's it's become more mainstream and, and people's views on it have certainly changed and and mine have to a certain extent. Um, but as you said, if you had asked me like three years ago, prior to the legalization, would I have been in favor of it? I may have said no. Um, but having said that, I know that it's a natural progression that at some point, um, cannabis was going to become legal. Will lead to heroin ad- addictions. Yeah. Right, gateway. But I, yeah. I guess I just um, figured this would make for an interesting conversation. If, if I 
sort of take on the role of a, of a devil's advocate here, because there's probably many listeners Paul, out there. you remember that, my feelings about devil's advocates. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just I, saying that we have probably many listeners out there that, that would maybe share that view that cannabis should not be legalized. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So to have that debate, you know, someone who is quote unquote, an, an expert in, in the field or, Someone that well, knows more than the average well, person. Well, call myself a hobbyist. I appreciate that, yeah. <laughs> but I'm definitely not an expert. Um, uh, okay. But no, yeah. fair enough. Yeah. But you, you know more than the average person. So Agreed. That makes you an expert, as I've been yeah. told once before <laughs> by somebody who I'm not sure I quite, quite believe that. But uh, but yes, I would say, yeah. sounds like Ken knows quite a bit about what he's talking about. Um, so the, I, Sorry, I, go ahead. I was just going to say, I want to take on the role of, of that I guess, protagonist that maybe throws out a few arguments to you and I want to see what, what your response is, Ken. So people that might argue that cannabis is a gateway drug. Um, so, for example, it can lead to other more harmful substances. Um, you know, people who get introduced to cannabis who may not otherwise be exposed to other forms of drugs. Um, you know, when we're living in a time when addiction and mental health issues are at an all-time high, um, you know, what are your thoughts on, do you think it's responsible that we are adding yet another uh, substance or an, an addictive substance out? To oh, there's a lot in there. Yeah. Boy, Ken, I don't know where you're going to yeah. go with that answer. Yeah. Yeah. Boy. Sorry, it's, it's a well, lot of questions thrown out at once. And when Ken asks, or when Paula asks it as the devil's advocate, which is my criticism of the whole term devil's advocate, he's outsourcing it <laughs> into, to a, a, a make-believe third party rather than just owning the question. Yeah, uh, there's a right go ahead, Ken. think tank behind this, yeah. Well, <laughs> go ahead, Ken. First of all, I, I wholeheartedly agree agree with the risk factor, especially when you are dealing with potential psychological factors that haven't yet been detected. There is the possibility that like, if you smoke cannabis for the first time, and you may have some traits, something going on in, in, in your wiring and your, in your chemical balances that doesn't agree with the substance, that it could have a negative effect. And it could, yeah, it could send you down a rabbit hole, right? Uh, so absolutely at the same at the same token i think that there's some responsibility you know like if as a parent if you're concerned about your your children consuming cannabis then you have to be active and have conversations with them and educate them and if they do want to try cannabis you should facilitate that with them like i'm not saying like hey son daughter let's smoke a joint together but they need to have a safe environment and they need to know that if something goes wrong that they have a support structure that they can rely on right um and i mean a bad bingo. high bingo and i think what when we talked about this a few well probably a year and a half ago i believed that the whole regulation aspects of this makes this such so, so, I'm I'm more impressed with it now or feel a lot safer about this now that it's regulated that there are places you can go to ensure you're getting the proper dosage and what it says on the package is actually what it is on the package and you know as a hobbyist you're you're choosing to do that yourself and and I'm I'm assuming what you do doesn't end up in dispensaries or you know into the wrong hands and the, and on on the on the good side and the bad side of that um so I do that. I love that legacy opinion thing, though, because that definitely there are definitely legacy opinions for 
people on the other side of this, which like are the the people that want to use it, want to go buy it. Um, I find the dispensaries here are still set up in a way that you feel like you're sort of doing something a little bit dirty. You know, there's a counter and there's a door and there's little buzzers and and sometimes there's a, a display cabinet. Sometimes it's just at a, a counter that I think reminds me a little bit about what it might have been like to buy alcohol in this country 40 years, 50 years ago, yeah. which was you went into a, a place. They didn't have alcohol up on a rack that you could um, or go in and shop it. You had to like hand a paper. Apparently, you filled out a little form and then slid it across the counter to the guy who looked at you in a you know a suspicious way and then went and got the bottle of whiskey and put it on the counter. Yeah. Um, so I like that it's become something that we can talk about, but there are those sideways glances even, and I can feel potential but, judgment being heaped on me if I start talking about it in public about using it or buying it. It's yeah, it's an instant stigma. The minute you the minute you bring the subject up and you But do you think it's it's I was going to say, like, in the two and a half years that it's been legal, which is really a very short period of time, do you think it's become too soon, too fast, in the sense that it seems like there's dispensaries almost virtually on every street corner? Like, it's incredible how many dispensaries there are out there. It's true. Obviously, business must be good if there's that much of a demand. Not necessarily. Um, I think what's happened is they've, they've, too they've much put into introduction. Well, that's a whole other topic. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, I can hear you okay. I, there's way too many licenses were, I think, issued, and they're probably COVID de- delayed things. Um, but you're right, it is turning into a uh, dispensary almost. There's more donut, there's more co- dispensaries than donut shops uh, right now, which says a lot uh, about us here. I think we're seeing an initial boom. I think what's going to happen is these dispensaries are trying to get into the market to to see if they can they can survive with the other ones, but it's just going to be like any other market. The big the big dominant ones are going to stay the ones that have huge, uh, you know, huge grow facilities and they're able to afford the s- storefronts, and then the other smaller storefronts that may struggle to uh, you know get supply, they're going to phase out. Um, but it is interesting to see how it's exploded for sure, Paul. And with that being said, there's a couple of dispensaries that I've gone to recently. I mean, Tokyo Smoke is a perfect example in downtown Toronto on Young Street. Like, that's not like what you're describing at all, Clark. Like, it's it's a beautiful facility and it's very professional. And you walk in there and they're playing like really hit music and there's like lots of really cool people and everything it's is. a product on display like in it's almost like a jewelry store style where it's oh all yeah glass yeah exactly and, yeah, yeah. I, I have seen that too and i i think partially during there's i think in the licensing phases they may have to open in you can't just immediately if you want to open up and not have the the dis, like i know one place up the street has has uh they said we're, we don't have our display area ready yet and with covid this was a year ago They've, they've, they're not there yet. It's an iPad, and it's, uh, um, you select the iPad. I think one thing I found confusing, as, as a uh, user, so, so to speak, um, was that I didn't understand half the stuff. Like, what is, what is a gummy? What is a, you know, the Sun Fresh? 
variety, the, the tangerine, this, the, the, the THC amounts, five, five milligrams, f- THC, five milligrams cannabis or uh, CBD, uh, 10 milligrams of THC versus like, yeah, you, I felt like you had to almost have a diary, <laughs> a notebook so that you could say, well, today I'll try a cookie with this amount of stuff in it or a, a beverage. Yeah. And you'd have to almost write down the effects because it's not like drinking a beer where I can say, yeah, if I have two beers in t- 10 minutes, I'm going to be kind of buzzing and I probably shouldn't jump in a car right now, that kind of thing. So I can simplify that process for you and take away the math. What you do is you microdose, right? So you buy a cookie and instead of eating the whole cookie, you have a little piece. Yeah. And then you're I like, can't how did that feel? A little bit of a cookie. Though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, I get you. But that that's that's generally what most people do, right? Like if you're getting into the edible world, yeah. it's always recommended buy something that interests you, but don't eat the whole thing. Try a little bit first and see what the reaction is, and then you can increase your intake from there. Well, I think a, a lot of that comes down to the individual responsibility of, of the person consuming that, mm-hmm. knowing what their limits are. But, you know, if you want to sort of tackle the subject as to whether or not, um, you know, the whole policing of, um, you know, people that are impaired. Um, I'm not sure what the stats might be on whether or not there's been any uptick in traffic accidents um, or I guess that's a good question. Safety. Yeah. Very good yeah, question. I would actually like to know that. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll look into that. So Paul, yeah, although in, Ken is an expert, he's not an expert in all aspects of, of this topic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's because it's interesting to kind of look into the the pros and cons of the whole cannabis issue and um yeah. you know, when I was doing a little bit of of research for this topic, um obviously the big debate is I thought your devil's advocate did all US. your research. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, in in the United States they're having that debate right now as to whether or not uh you know, the federal government wants to legalize cannabis. And I don't think it's coming anytime soon, that's for sure. Uh, but there's yeah. a lot more opposition to that, uh, depending on what state you're from. Um, but yeah, there was right. a lot of arguments Because Denver's been, uh, or, or Colorado, I should say, has been a pretty open state. Vancouver, I, wa- Vancouver uh, Washington state. Yeah. I was yeah, going to say, like, that. that is a very politically driven decision. If you're going to break absolutely. down the, the pro versus the, the against uh, marijuana conversation in the United States, you just have to take a look mm-hmm. at a map. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty much, you know, the, the, the blue states are the ones that are legalizing and the red states are the ones that are not. And the red states yep. are the ones that are, are holding pretty firm to those arguments about, you know, what we talked about with being gateway drug or... um you know, making it difficult for police to detect uh, impaired drivers. Um, so, yeah. yeah, we'd have to get a lot more, you know, statistics to kind of support some of those arguments. But um, I'm assuming that there is certainly some merit behind that, um, you know, and yeah, quite absolutely. frankly, the, the people have to support it. Um, in certain states, the vast majority of people do not support the legalization of marijuana. In certain um, states. In certain states, There's yeah. what. So, yeah, it'll I be guess- interesting to see how that, how that plays out. Yeah. You know, I was just going to say one thing, and whenever I do have this conversation with someone and I'm trying to justify the use of marijuana, even though I shouldn't have to and really no one has to these these days, but regardless, what I say is, if you're a human, you have a crutch. Everyone has a crutch, whether they want to accept it or not. 
whether at the end of a long day you're going to have a cold beer or you're going to have, you know, a glass of whiskey, a glass of vodka, that everyone has a vice. My vice happens to be marijuana. And it was something that I discovered gave me a, uh, a sense of relief and satisfaction um, that, that I was looking for. And I, and I enjoyed it and I still do enjoy it. I've never experienced any negative side effects from it. As far as I'm concerned, it's not been nothing but a positive influence in my life. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I got to say, it's kind of like to each their own these days. What, what you choose is your choice. Just be careful and, and try and educate yourself as to, you know, what, what the possible side effects can be. I, I think that's well said. And uh, one thing, though, vice, would you consider a vice? To me, a vice is... Like is having a glass of scotch a vice? Having a a, a couple of uh, puffs on a, a yeah, vice is too strong a word. I agree. It's almost like um, like how would you define having a drink at the end of a long day? Would that be like a reward system? Because I look at for me, I use marijuana as a reward system. If I want to accomplish something, let's say I want to build something. And you're like, okay, there's five steps involved. I've got to cut cut my pieces. I've got to sand them down. I got to glue them. I got to stain it, and I got to clear coat it. Something like that. Mm-hmm. So I break it down into steps, and then once I accomplish that step to a level of satisfaction, I'm like, I've earned something, and that, and I use that as my reward, my personal reward. So whether it's a long day of work, and it's like, oh, okay, my day is done. Now it's time to unwind and relax. Or if I'm working on some sort of a project and I want to take a break, that, that marijuana is what I use for that. I see a vice as something that's it, it controls you. It it, uh, it it's possibly illegal, but it, it yeah. you know more more that it controls you and you don't have enough control over it, and that it gets in the way of your life and interferes with your family and your job, and so. I only picked on the word just because I, I think it's okay if it's moderation and it's not effect, you know, ruining aspects of your life yeah. financially or uh, whatever it's doing to you. Like some people could argue, well, that that's if when my dad's had four beers, that's not my dad. That's that's a guy who's had a you know too much to drink and and four beers isn't too much to drink. Yeah, but, moderation is a whole other factor in this. My my reward system statement as well right because a reward can turn into something a lot worse if you keep right. on doing it but well said though <laughs> i think it's well said um paul before we we got to move well, on because this is we don't want to make this all about cannabis we we, we don't want to make it all about mm-hmm. ken that's for sure no it was just oh why not <laughs> no i was just my my final thoughts on it is that you know, when you're talking about the definition of vice, I think it comes down to whatever the, the government deems to be a vice in terms of their uh, opportunities for taxation. In mm. Canada, we pay some of the highest taxes for alcohol, for tobacco, and now you can throw cannabis into that. And then that, and I wonder if that is the, the main reason why the government was so quick to legalize marijuana is because it was an extremely lucrative was one of them uh, we could probably go through and and debate i mean the police and you know law enforcement's efforts to to fight it like uh being wasted like there's so many different ways you can you can slice that but uh we could talk about this for the next hour yeah (laughs) yeah and maybe maybe if ken passes the audition he'll he'll be back Uh, so far it's going pretty good i think (laughs) so far so far so good um 
I forgot what I was going to say, but I wanted to let's let's move on because uh, we may have some other opportunities to talk about cannabis in the future. But Ken, oh, I know what it was. How do we? How do people find your YouTube channel? Can you just tell us if people so, want to look for it? What do they have to type into YouTube? Or I would recommend searching for Doctor Green Thumb time lapse. And the reason I say that is because I'm not the only Dr. Green Thumb on YouTube, but I am the only Dr. Green Thumb that's been posting time lapse videos. So if you do that, you'll automatically be directed to my channel and then you can subscribe. I'm posting regular content on a weekly basis now. I've just started a brand new video series called Grape Gorilla Autoflower. And uh, it's going quite well. I'll be recording another video today and posting it on Friday. So if you're interested, please subscribe. This episode is brought to you by Pace Painting. Pace Painting, serving all your painting needs, whether it's commercial or residential. Now, full disclosure, Pete is my brother-in-law, and I would recommend him to do work for anyone. He's done several jobs for us. We've always been satisfied. We've recommended him to friends and family. He's great. Email Peter at paintwithpace at gmail.com or visit his Facebook page at Pace Painting Inc. That's paintwithpace at gmail.com or visit his Facebook page, Pace Painting Inc. Time for rapid fire. As we prepare for these shows, we put a few topics together that we're going to do in a rapid format, which is two minutes per topic. There's three of us, so we're going to have to try to yield that time to give each other enough uh, opportunities to, to speak, but it's a hard stop if after two minutes. And we have a few topics we put together here. The first one is reclining seats on an airplane. This was your topic. Um, go, Paul. This is your topic. Yeah, it, it. I get pissed off when people recline the seat all the way back. Um, my recent experience on a plane is that when I was flying out uh, last week, I was about to eat my meal and the person in front of me pulled their seat all the way back. And it's like, <laughs> nope. I just pushed it back and I said, sorry, I'm eating you, my meal. You pushed no, it back? No, I, I did. Yeah, I did. That's no, awesome. I did. You I pushed said, it. No, I, yes, did you use I your knee? Seat and I said, excuse me, I'm, you, I'm about to have a meal here. Can you push your seat forward? Is, was there some history already with this person or are you just? No, no. No, not at all. No, it's just anyone who pushes the seat back in an airplane. I, I, it, it, it irritates me because I think it's kind of selfish because seats are already really cramped in economy class. So when you push because the you seat wouldn't. forward, you never recline well, your no, seat. Because exactly, I, Paul's wired like me. You don't want to inconvenience anyone else. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Maybe, maybe yeah. I'm. Yeah, we're, we're too kind or, or too nice of a people. But I don't recline my seat because. If there's someone behind me, then it restricts their space because you have such a small space yeah. already within your little confines of your seat. Now you have this this seat that comes back in front of you and your, your TV screen is literally like, you know, <laughs> a couple of inches from your face. Yeah. yeah I just, it just, it bothers me. It bothers me. I, there was a device that was created, uh, I can bring it up maybe uh, after, but there's a device you can put on the backs of a seat that prevent the person from... Being able to recline it. Have you seen that? Oh, that's awesome. I will definitely buy that. <laughs> I, I don't think it's legal yeah. to use it. I think there are some rules about restricting people's seats, so be careful. How do you but, get mm -hmm. it on board the plane? Um, just put it in your carry-on. It's just a clip or something, right? Maybe. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, I, oh, there's our timer. Yeah. But anyway, we'll we'll circle back to that clip. I'm interested to know what that is. <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah. we'll get uh, one of our producers to uh, yeah. to look at uh, look that product up as as we're talking. I'm trying to drive the timers and bus here, yeah. uh, <laughs> but that I just don't have the prowess to find that reclining seat blocker thingy. All right. Next subject is COVID hobbies. Did you f- cr- find a hobby through the COVID times? Um, COVID hobbies, Ken, you wanted to, but this is your contribution. Uh, go. Yeah, yeah. So I, I actually did take up a COVID hobby separate from what our previous discussion. Um, I used to be really into audio when I was in my late teens, early 20s, specifically like kind of like finding relic speakers and trying to like rebuild them and make them work again. So there's been this resurgence in retro hi-fi. Mm. Um, it's very popular to buy like these old amplifiers from like the late 60s or the 70s and completely restore them because people have the belief that this 70s sound is a lot better than current technology sound. Is that because so, like the, the the tubes and stuff inside these the products, or so it's not actually tubes. I like that's super hi-fi for sure, and you can get into that avenue of of uh, amplification. But I'm talking like classic, like pioneer, you know, with the with the silver face on them, and then the the box is like a like a vinyl wood, almost like a, like a piece yeah. of furniture, and those nice big shiny knobs on yeah. them. So I ended up. I ended up going down that rabbit hole and getting myself a really nice Yamaha amplifier. And I've been slowly building my audio system piece by piece. And now I've got a, a relic set of uh, three-way speaker boxes from Britain. The brand is called uh, Goodman. And I'm halfway through restoring those. And it's been really entertaining. I've had a lot of fun doing it. That's cool. I would say for me, no no uh, new hobbies really came out of COVID that I can think of um, because so much of my work went from work from home to I, like so much work from home, so much blending of family and all that stuff. I, I couldn't really find more time to get a hobby. What about you, you, Paul? Yeah, a couple of hobbies that I've sort of taken up is uh, collecting autographed uh, baseball cards of uh, Toronto Blue Jay players. And you were and, able to do uh, that in COVID, like interact with oh, yeah, live yeah, players and sign, get well, things no, you, signed you, like you, that? You, you buy them online over eBay, primarily. Mm, cool. We, we right. can talk about that more in a further episode. Yeah. Yeah, that that's like Market. a blast from the past subject, because bo- you got me into the card collecting scene back when we were both in our teens, right? That's two yeah, minutes and 15 yeah. seconds. <laughs> this is a two-minute rapid fire, guys. Sorry. All right, next topic, snowblowers. You know, we live in Canada, snowblowers, some of us own them, some neighbors own them. When is it acceptable to bring out a snowblower? Go. I think, yeah, I, I would agree that there has to be a certain amount of snow on the ground. Just for a dusting, I think bringing out a snowblower is complete sort of overreaction and Pretentious. No, those things are noisy. It's yeah, it's it's an attention getter. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that one of your neighbors has has pissed you off by doing this, right, Clark? <laughs> um, no, it's well, friend of mine. He sent me some pictures of his neighbor across the street snow blowing his driveway, and I I think literally there was two inches of snow on the driveway, maybe less, like maybe an inch. 
and this guy's got the perfect lines like you know you see for ba- uh, baseball fields or soccer fields with the lines going across this guy's actually that's how he snow blows his driveway so i thought you cannot i i think you gotta have at least four inches of snow in my opinion before you can bring a snowblower into the equation yeah th- there comes a point where it's like don't be lazy pick up a shovel and do it yourself it's different if you have like a physical disability that prevents you or from you're using an a older shovel. person perhaps we or can give them older, a bit of a pass like I know, Ken, you probably live in the outskirts, from what I understand. Do you have a massive driveway? Do you own a snowblower? Well, I actually live just in suburban Niagara Falls, so it's just kind of like city life here. I live in a regular neighborhood, um, but pretty long driveway, and we got dumped with snow. I think we got more than you guys did the last couple of weeks, um, but I'm stubborn. I, I own a snowblower and I haven't used it in the last two seasons because I want to fight the snow. I want to get out there and be like, no, I'm going to lift lift you all and, and get rid of it all. I I look at it like, like exercise and a challenge. Yeah. I, again, I'm wired weird. Like sometimes mm-hmm. I, I want to do things differently just because I'm a stubborn person. You, so you fix hi-fi equipment and grow cannabis. That's yeah. totally in line with your personality. Snow shoveling is good exercise, so yeah, that's the way that's I look at sure. it. Yeah. Just don't have a heart attack, because that can happen. Yeah. That's what they're saying, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right, next topic we have... How many have we done so far? Three. Three? All right, well, let's do one more. Don't feed the birds. We see these signs around. Paul, you have some feelings about feeding birds. Go, go ahead and talk about that. Yeah, when I was in Vancouver last week, I, there was a sign posted in a, in a public area, and the sign read, and I quote, feeding birds is so unhealthy that the BC SPCA now consider it indirect animal cruelty, end quote. I'm just, and I'll send a picture of, um, well, I think I sent you a picture anyway. We can put it in you the did. show notes. You read um, it beautifully there. I think it's just complete overreaction. Like, give me a break. Like, okay, I realize that feeding birds bread is not advisable but if you're feeding him seeds it's one thing to say have a sign saying please don't feed the birds just because of an inconvenience or just because you don't want to attract birds within a certain area especially if it's a tourist zone which is what it but, does yeah but to say that maybe it's it's their way of of bringing the message but to say that it it is indirect animal cruelty like really i don't know i just thought it was complete maybe know, it is sending I don't, how can feeding, giving birds seeds, animal cruelty? I don't get that. Well, if you're giving it seed, I don't know. But uh, in my opinion, I think it is, you shouldn't feed birds because you shouldn't feed any wild animals because it causes a dependence on that food coming from somewhere that if it's stopped, what happens next? A lot of these animals are overfed and they're fat. Uh, And just down the street here, Bluffers Park, there's like thousands of birds and ducks. And, and I can only imagine how much that's is, is caused by people feeding those birds. So I actually have a pretty strong opinion on this. Well, it depends what you're feeding. If you're feeding them hot dogs, then yeah, that is very unhealthy. How well, do you know what? Yes, birds don't get seeds. It's not in nature. I mean, they get seeds from like, you know, rotting fruits and things like that. Maybe they can find, but not by being handed seeds in the wild. Well, the rice, right? They you're not allowed to throw rice at weddings anymore because literally the birds eat the rice, drink water, and they explode. Yeah, 
That's a good way Silence. to I'm, I'm, I'm the timer to be, go off. It, bing, 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 bing. For some reason, it yeah. didn't. My, yeah. yeah. But no good way to end that. All right, yeah. exploding birds. Exploding birds. Uh, let's yeah. go. Let's go one more. Uh, this I want to do this one because it's uh, something that came up. If you have uh, okay neighbor in neighborhood or neighbor uh, drop-ins or f- drop if you're in so- someone's neighborhood, do you feel you are compelled to visit that person? And if you found out they didn't visit you, would you be upset? Do you like random drop-ins by people? Boy, that's a lot of stuff. Two minutes, go. Let me start with the drop-in thing. If neighbors knock on your door and say, "Hey, Paul, we're in the neighborhood. We just wanted to stop by. What's what do you? How do you feel about that?" I always think you should give people advance notice because I don't really like it when people just show up unannounced at my door. It's one thing, you know. You should always give someone a heads up to say, "Hey, I'm like ten minutes away. Is this a good time? Can I?" Want to meet up? That's so you don't like spontaneous drive-bys. Show up at someone's door. Not really. No. Ken, what do you? How so, do you feel about not yeah, knock that's and a, Paul's on your doorstep? I I yeah. feel the same way. And funny enough, Paul has been all, always giving me ample notice if he's in the Niagara area. So, but I I I don't appreciate the unannounced drop-in. That's for sure. I mean, because then you feel obligated. Oh my God, there's like things that are lying yeah. around that I need to pick up. But the other question is you, do you feel obligated to visit someone if you're in their neighborhood? Yeah. And I can honestly say, no, I don't. Cause I'm in that area for a purpose. <laughs> I'm not in that area. I'm not in that person's vicinity to visit them. If I am there to visit them, I'm going to let them know. I was in my uh, brother-in-law's neighborhood yesterday and I went, went to a Starbucks and, uh, we, we, I felt a little guilty. We drove by their, like, just by the street away from where they live, and I felt guilty. We were like, should we, should we let them know we're in the neighborhood at least to say, come on over? Or I felt a little bit weird about it. I could see that. You just got to fight that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and well, would they be upset? Yeah. <laughs> what if I said, Paul, I was just down the street? Now it's a little different because we don't live that far away from each other. Yeah. But if you're in St. Catharines, be offended. Ken, would you be offended if you heard Paul was in St. Catharines and didn't call you? No, not at all. Absolutely not. Because I know he's there for a reason. Right on the mark. I think that one could be dissected into a, a longer segment. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Um, I think we got to go to... Let's do a quick what we're watching. Very quick. Like a minute to tell us what you're watching. Paul, you go first. Okay. Okay. What we're watching. Um, I've actually recently gotten into uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine, and I, I know it's a, it's a show. I usually I'm kind of late to the game on a lot of shows because this one just ended in terms of uh, I think they're they just wrapped up their their very last season, eight seasons in total. Um, but Brooklyn yeah, I'm always looking nine, for like a nine 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 family friendly comedy. Brooklyn Nine Nine. Sort of a, a family-friendly comedy that I can kind of watch with my son. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's it's a really great show. It's I find it funny. Um, others might not. You know, they might not appreciate the the humor. Um, but yeah, it's about uh, Andy Samberg is is the lead actor, and it's uh, sort of the the hijinks and shenanigans of 
of a group of um, police officers working in Brooklyn. Um, but yeah, it's a true comedy. Um, and I'm enjoying it. I, I really. Think it's a it's funny a, show. Nice I've show. seen it. It is funny. Um, yeah. Me, I'm my what we're what I'm watching. What I'm li- so what I'm listening to is a podcast called Smartless. It's uh, features Justin Bate. No, I would say Justin. Even he has said that he gets called Justin Bateman sometimes. Jason Bateman, Sean Hayes, and Will Arnett. And I see the ha- I saw a thumbs up from Ken. Sounds like you know the show. It's fantastic. They yeah. they each, each episode one person brings a guest who not, the other two don't know is coming, and it's a cross between celebrities that they they bring on some politicians, uh, a whole bunch of different people. Will Arnett was on an episode, or sorry, Will Ferrell was on an episode. Um, Will Jace, uh, my favorite Ken Burns. Good episode on with Ken Burns, uh, Jerry Seinfeld. Just listened to that one yesterday. Really, it's my, it's my, it's not a vice, but it's, it's a, it's. I'm in my happy place when I'm listening to the Smartless podcast. I really am. I love, I love the show, and I highly recommend it. How long are the episodes? Uh, under an hour, like fifty minutes to an hour okay. around there. Great, great show. Okay. It's on all anywhere you find your podcasts. It's it's yeah. there. And and I I like their first episode with Dax Shepard. He talks a little bit about some behind the scenes stuff around podcasting when he got his because he's one of the most popular podcasters out there up there with Rogan and, and Tim Ferriss and stuff. Um, so there's a little bit of behind the curtain stuff which I'm I can geek out on podcasts until I'm blue in the face. So yeah. How about you, Ken? What are you watching? What are you listening to? What are you reading? Anything? Uh- so, watching, we're just finishing up a series called Barry. Uh, that's on Crave TV. Um, very, very good. Barry? Good B-E-R-R-Y? Or? Uh, B-A-R-R-Y. Um, it's two seasons. And for the life of me, I can't remember the name of the Saturday Night Live comedian. Part part of the Saturday Night Live squad um, that that's on the show, but it's great. It's basically about um, an army guy who uh, kind of became a contract killer, but he's having this inner demon fight. He wants to become sort of like an actor. Mm. Um, very funny, very well written, but uh, there's some pretty dramatic parts in it too. And uh, also Yellowstone. We just finished Yellowstone. Uh, brilliant, brilliant show. And I don't know if you guys know, but there's a new series based on Yellowstone that's uh, just been released. I believe it's called 1892, and it's the history of the Dutton Ranch and how the Yellowstone Ranch was formed. Hmm. That's cool. And that's yeah. a, a documentary yeah, I, or that's I a show? That's it's going to be a show, just like Yellowstone, yeah. yeah. Is Yellowstone created by the same guys that did um, uh, Sons of Anarchy? I'm not sure. There's a court, yeah. There's a relation. Taylor Sheridan, who is the creator of Yellowstone, he was involved. Um, he was actually an actor within the show for a couple of seasons. But yeah, he had right. some involvement with Sons of Anarchy, so that's why there is definitely some similarities there. Um, but yeah, I, 1883, I think it is. Um, yeah, I haven't had a chance. Is it to 1883? Watch it yet, but it's defi- 1883, yeah. But no, it's Sorry, definitely on my geez. list. I definitely want to want to check that out for sure. And uh, oh, by the way, Bill Hader is the guy you're looking for. Thank you very on much, the Bill show Hader. Barry. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, and just just to add to that, like um, he plays a great serious actor. Yeah, very, he's very a co- comedian, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, I think he's one of the guests on Smartless, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he is actually. Yeah, I haven't listened to that episode, but I I know who he is. He's kind of got a yeah, kind of. He's from Saturday Night Live, right? He does classic, probably one of the best Clint Eastwood impressions ever. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I see it's only two seasons, so it's probably a fairly easy one to get into. It is. Yeah, it it progresses quickly. All right, guys. Well, we're we try to keep these episodes what around an hour, and we're we did have a special episode today by having Ken on. So we appreciate you coming on, Ken. Yeah, absolutely. It was fantastic. Thanks, thanks for having me, and uh, looking forward to hearing uh, the future episodes. Is your wife uh, like? Did she know you're on the on this show today? She does. Yeah, she does. She was asking me this morning. She's like, "Are you excited? Are you excited?" And I'm like, I, I, I think so. I don't. I don't know if I can like, ha- like what 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 emotion I should be feeling for my first podcast, but. Uh, yeah, no, it was good. It was a good experience. Uh, thank, thanks again for inviting me. We don't bite, right? No, not at all. Not yeah. at all. Well, I, I think I speak for Clark when I say that you have passed the edition. So uh, oh. we would love to have you back for another episode. Because, yeah, there, there's there's still a few more topics that we'd like to tackle. And unfortunately, we don't have the, have the, uh, the amount of time to devote to that. But, uh, yeah, we'd love to have you back. Well, I can... I can definitely tell you that when you're ready to discuss the birds aren't real topic, I'm in because absolutely fascinating. Well, that's a good teaser for a future episode. We are going to unpack that. Um, So that's it guys. Thanks for uh, coming Ken and uh, have you back for sure. I think the listeners will appreciate some of the background that, that we were able to get on, on growing cannabis and some of the, some of the rules and regulations or just the overall attitudes about it. And uh, thanks. Keep on listening. This is going to be a special place in history for you, Ken. You'll be able to come back and listen to this episode with you on it anytime you want, on demand, in the car. It's it's really impressive to show your friends, uh, <laughs> you know, the picture of your dashboard. Uh, yeah. With yeah. uh, with the, the the podcast on it or on your phone, and you can do a little screen cap and send it to someone and say, I- "I'm on this. I'm on this one." That's going to be so weird logging into Spotify and then hearing hey. yourself. Hey, and, and now you can call yourself a social media influencer between your uh, your YouTube channel and now that uh, oh, you can God. be a, a, a reoccurring guest on a podcast. <laughs> Please, I don't want to influence you're, anyone. You're, you're, you're going to have tons <laughs> of fans. <laughs> feel free to feel free to promote us in your YouTube channel also. Absolutely. That I can do for sure. All right, Ken, thanks for joining us. Paul, uh we'll talk to you next week. All right, sounds great. <laughs>